0: Just about everybody knows uh, for several months now I've uh, been wanting to start a series on the one and other statements found in the New Testament. and Well, to just put it in slang language, it ain't going to happen today. It seems like the more I want to get started on the series, the more God uh, speaks to my heart about something else. He did that last week and he did it this week and... I've, I've, I've come to learn that uh, what he thinks is more important than what I want to do. And uh, if, if that's what God wants, eventually we, we'll get there. Brother Kenneth and I were talking about uh, the various needs people have and uh, thinking about Lisa singing that, that song and her, her mother going through a, a trying time, and a lot of folks are. Right now, just so many of our members have different kinds of problems, and uh, the fact of the matter is we don't know the half of it in reality of so what all' going people are going through. And I was, as we were talking, I told Kent, my heart hurts and, and and it really it really does to see people that you love suffering and in situations like that. And as I thought about it, it seemed like the floodgates of my mind just opened up, and uh, name after name after name just came rushing through. Uh, Bev was talking this week about uh, about things and uh, that people are going through, and and she said, I I I, I just find myself, I'm just praying continually. I mean and you do you find yourself you do, whatever it is you're doing you can't stay focused on it because you've got that on your mind and you're praying for people and all of a sudden as I was thinking about all of these different names of people going through difficulties the lord reminded me of a message i preached 49 years ago 49 years ago and I, I, I can remember the message, and I know I've mentioned this before, but maybe in a different way. And I'd preached a message uh, from Isaiah chapter number 40, where the Lord says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith God. And I'll never forget what happened after the service. Uh, probably, I, I think, our oldest deacon in the, ser- in, in the church uh, Kathy knows the man that I'm talking about and a man that uh, had been faithful for years and years and years in the church but not always uh, easy for pastors to get along with he had a way of being cantankerous but he come up to me and when he first did I could tell something was wrong and I thought oh boy here we go you know and he started bawling like a baby and grabbed me and hugged me and and, and, and told me, he said, Pastor, I've been in church all my life. I've never heard anyone, anyone preach on that subject, never. He said, all I've heard is that we need to be sure that we believe this right and that right and get all of our doctrines right, and then preachers will get up and chew us out and beat us down about things that we ought to be doing. He said, I've never heard a sermon like that. And it made me stop and think. Now I don't know that that's altogether true because I know some of the former pastors of that church. And I suspect he might, might not have heard it or received it. But the fact of the matter is it, there is a, a tendency for, for us pastors to be so intent on getting people to do what is right and by the way we have to do that that's a part of our job it's not we we are not only to just educate people from the bible we are to exhort them do what we can to encourage them to get involved in the work of the lord um, but boy if there was ever a, a a need for assurance comfort strength i think it's the day that we live in and we think about our church and all of the Sick folks and people going through difficulties. I want to speak to you this morning from Isaiah chapter 43. This is not the message. We're not looking at chapter 40, but chapter 43. I want to speak to you about assurance for the afflicted. And if you're not afflicted right now, you will be some point in the future. Isaiah 43, we're going to read the first seven verses But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, give not back, bring my sons from far, and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by my name. For I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Whenever we think about what's going on in Israel at this very moment, I'm sure there are a lot of those uh, Jewish people that, that take great comfort in these verses that I've just read, knowing that He is the one that created that nation, and He is the one that has allowed them to go through great trials and yet has brought them through. And by the way, it's not over. It's not over. And their assurance in the Word of God assures them that eventually eventually all of these promises are going to be fulfilled. A preacher by the name of William Nicholson, back in 18, 1860-something, talked about the history of, uh, of people in, in, in every age, basically. But in light of what Israel had been going through, and he said that, that uh, their history is interesting and it's instructive, and we see the manifestations of God's love to them. Now the thing about it is whether we're talking about that original family, that the generation of Adam, that family that God put together because it's not good for man to be alone, God established the family institution. A lot of folks need to wake up to that fact today. God then established the nation of Israel. God has established the church. And whether we look at this subject in the light of the family, the nation of Israel, or whether we think of it as a church, or whether we think of it as as us as individuals, in this message here we see pictures of his grace and his mercies and and. All of the things that He promised to them are in reality promises that you and I can embrace as His people today. This is not just for the people of Israel. The compassion of God is, is seen clearly in what they had gone through and their rejection of Him, their rebellion against Him, and over and over again God brought them through. And I want you to notice three things pertaining to you, to the other members of the church they can't be here today, to all of those that are going through suffering, affliction, for all of us, three things that we notice in these messages. The first of all, that God's people are subjected to grief. We'd like to think of living in a world where there's not any pain no suffering no sorrow no disappointment uh, we, we, you know that, that we're just dreaming we'd like to think that it would, should be that way but it's not is it and a lot of people have wondered why in the world why why does there have to be so much suffering well it's because this world is diseased And I I say that, I don't mean a disease such as that that flows through your body. I'm not talking about uh, something that you go get treatment for at the doctor's office. I'm talking about the disease of sin. We live in a world that is so corrupted by sin. And all of us are such sinners that not one of us deserve anything whatsoever. When Adam sinned, the bottom fell out, as it were. This world has never been the same since that time. Because think about it there, in that garden, in a state of perfection, he and Eve and everything the heart could desire, it was all perfect. And sin brought all of this suffering and sorrow and everything that we go through. And here we are, a part of this system, totally undeserving of anything good. And by the way, if you think, because you're a faithful church member, or you're a hard worker, or you're a good father, you're a good mother, and you think you deserve to be problem-free, you've got it all wrong. None of us deserve anything from God. And we've got to understand that. Otherwise, we're going to go through life complaining about all of our hardships in life. It's like the old saying, the person that deserves a hanging shouldn't complain about having a beating. And that's where we are in this sinful world, and we can expect it to be subjected to grief. It's experienced by all of God's people, because being a child of God doesn't exempt us from suffering. Back in those days, being an Israelite did not mean that you're never going to suffer. didn't mean you're not going to have any problems. We're talking about issues that we cannot escape, things that we can't get away from. God had only one son only one son without sin, but he has no children without suffering. His own dear son suffered more than our minds can imagine. And suffering's going to be a part of our life, and we, we've got to accept that fact. It's experienced by all of us, and we all need it. That, that's the bitter pill to swallow, isn't it? Because somewhere in there, we get it in our mind. We don't need that. I, Oh, we say to ourselves, Lord, I don't need any more problems. I've got my plate full now. Lord, I, it's time that things got better. I've been battling this issue over and over and over and over. But we need it. And if you look back in chapter 42 there, It becomes very apparent that the children of Israel needed what they were going through because they had refused to live up to God's standard. They had refused to obey God. And by the way, when we get over in Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible tells us that all of God's children are chastised. There are times we don't always recognize maybe that what's happening in our life and the reason for it. But I'll tell you when we get out of line and we all do either in our attitude or our actions, we all at times get out of line do things that we know that we shouldn't do and God says we all get chastised in some way it can be a physical thing, it can be a uh, it, it can be a a domestic issue it, it could be any area of our life God does something to get our attention if God had just took his hands off of Israel and let them go there would have been no hope for them in the future whatsoever even in their times of prosperity when it seemed like everything was going fine had they just said okay Lord then just leave us alone we like it like it is now We've done what you said. Leave us alone. It would have been their ruin. Like it or not, afflictions are necessary. The good thing about it is that they are by divine appointment. You know, we call them accidents. But it's just accidental or everybody gets this or, you know, it happens to everyone, you know. And so I, I don't think God's really trying to do this intentionally. I don't think God has anything to do with it. See, there are not any accidents with God. It's all by divine appointments. Everything that happens, God either causes it or he allows it to happen. And it's all, it's all by not just something he appointed, but it's by divine design. Whether you're talking about the depth of the water, the floods that we go through, or the degrees of the fires that we go through. Those times in our life whenever we we just feel like we'll never get through it. And he says the water will not overflow thee. That's what he's telling them. Oh, you'll be in the flood. That's right. And the heat will not burn thee. We've got examples of both of those, don't we? The Israelites going through the flood. We think about the three Hebrew children there. In the fiery furnace, God brought them through all of that. It was all by divine design. In the number of afflictions that we go through, God knows exactly how much we can take. Don't misunderstand when Paul says the Lord will not put more on you than what you're able to bear. Most people interpret that in such a way that it will never happen. Let me tell you, God will allow stuff to happen to you that's far more than you can bear. You can't do it, but he makes a way of escape, not keeping you out of the fire and out of the flood, but he makes a way of escape in that he will enable you to endure those things. So whether it's the nature or the number of the problems that you're going through, all of them are necessary. We don't see the necessity of it because we don't see the big picture. We don't see the whole plan. Every affliction has some benefit. We keep asking, "Why, you know, why me?" I just don't understand it. We even quote Romans eight twenty eight, don't we? All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And, you know, that are called according to His purpose. We quote that verse over and over, but you know, we just keep worrying. We just we just keep wringing our hands out, out of fear that. Something's going to get out of control. We don't know what good God's going to bring out of it, but we don't know when that good's going to be realized. It may be the end, near the end of your life. You may live for years and years with some affliction, some hardship. You don't understand why God would let it happen to you. but he does it's not because he doesn't love you there are those that have literally come out and said how could a good god let this happen to me or let this happen to my children well, god's good whether we understand it or not he's never confused about what we need in our life and all things, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly, all things work together. Notice working together, it's, as I've often said, you know, I've never sat down and need a bowl of flour. I don't think I would enjoy that one bit. I don't even drink milk. I, you know, all of the ingredients that uh, you put in, uh, in gravy or in a cake. But you put them all together and really turns out to be something good. I'm telling you, unknown to us, God's putting stuff together. And one of these days, we'll see the end product. We're subjected to grief, but we're supported by the grace of God through all of this. That's the good thing. We don't have to lean on the arm of flesh. We don't have to depend upon ourselves. Paul said over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he said unto me, this is God speaking to Paul. Remember, he has a thorn in the flesh. He's gone to the Lord three times asking God to remove it. You would think, boy, if anybody could get through to God and persuade God to take the pain away, it'd be Paul. And the Lord said, no, I'm not going to do it. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We generally gripe about things like that. And Paul said, I will glory in all of these trials, these troubles, tribulations, and things that I go through. Why? How can you take pleasure? And that's what he says in the very next verse. He takes pleasure in these things. How can that be? It's because of the greatness of his desire to do the will of God and to be Christ-like. It's as though he's saying, Lord, I don't care what happens to me as long as it makes me more like Christ. And he said, you know, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The other day I was thinking about the deadness of life and I was thinking about myself and and how all of a sudden we we get in a rut our emotions are so difficult to understand we pray we're being sincere we might even express it emotionally with a tear in our eye. We know in our heart we really mean it, but there's just something, something that seems to be missing. And I don't know about you, but so many times I've had to stop right in the middle as I was praying and say, Lord, I am so sorry at, at my mannerisms in even offering this prayer up to you. I'm so sorry that. My heart is not more deeply grieved. I'm so sorry that I'm not more emotional about it. You know, during those five days in the hospital and afterwards and for weeks and even months after that, I never did feel any of that deadness. And I thought to myself about what Charles Spurgeon often said about the fact that he learned more through his suffering than he did all of his education, all of his books, and everything else. We all learn more through our suffering. Paul said, when I'm weak, that's when I'm really strong. And and the reason is because that's when we're we're clinging to God, as it were. We know we need God's help. We know we can't get through this without God. And yet sometimes, you know, we throw this phrase around, God's grace is sufficient. We just use it in an everyday language uh, that it becomes trite, just kind of meaningless. God's grace is sufficient. I, we ought to read those words and it ought to hit us like a ton of bricks how wonderful how glorious how awesome that phrase is that God's grace is sufficient regardless of what we're going through now when we look at our text uh, we don't see the word grace there do we believe me I've read through this chapter nowhere do I see the word grace there But what I do see is God speaking about His presence. And that tells me something because the Bible describes God, quote, as the God of all grace. The point is, when the Bible refers to the presence of God, grace is included in that. And and notice here in verse number 2, there's the promise of that we're going to be supported by His grace. When thou passest through the water, I will be with thee. Isn't that good that we have the assurance that wherever we are, God is. He's present for every problem. He's sufficient for every situation that we ever go through. And by the way, this is something that He had told them about many long years before and something that they evidently had forgotten Way back in Exodus chapter number 33 and verse 14, he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Now, that was way back then, but it was something that they evidently had forgotten because their lifestyle had uh, degraded to the point that they were living as though God's not even aware of what's going on. They acted as though God had forgotten about them that God had forsaken them they had forgot the promise that God had made all of those years earlier and by the way they're not the only ones guilty of that because you and I sometimes do the same thing we forget about the promises that God gave to us and the Lord gave the great commission he wrapped it up by saying, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. As I read last week from Hebrews chapter 13, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Thank God we have the promise of his presence because it's his grace that is, prevents in our life from going to, to pieces whenever we face the things that are unbearable. You know, it keeps us from hitting the panic button and just giving over to despair. Regardless of the difficulty, regardless of the danger, God knows, God cares. And through His grace, He helps. Whatever you're going through, there's always the grace of God there to sustain you and to protect you. He he prevents some things. But in other instances, he protects us from things that he allows in our life. In other words, he might not keep you from the affliction, but he'll keep you in the affliction. He didn't tell the three Hebrew children, oh, don't worry about what that king said. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You'll never get in the fire. He didn't say that. They got in the fire all right, but God brought them through the fire. Daniel was in the lion's den. God brought him out. He was there with him. You see, God sets limits on everything that you go through. If it's the fire, he's the one with the thermostat. He sets the degree. He knows exactly how much you can take. And he knows exactly how much it will take to get your attention, to help make you become the person that God wants you to be. Thank God for the grace that is promised, that prevents some things, that protects us from other things, and provides some things for us. You hear, listen to the words of the song, In the Presence of Jehovah, in the Presence of Jehovah. Part of it says this, through his love, the Lord provided the place for us to rest, a place to find the answers and the hours of distress. Now, there's never any reason for you to give up in despair. Just slip away and breathe his name. He'll surely meet you there. What a powerful message that is to know When we go to the Lord in prayer, that the Lord is going to be there and meet us there. And it's not a matter of us twisting God's arm in order to get God to conform to our will. It's a matter of us finding what we need through the grace of God. You say, well, how could any good come out of it? Well, when you get home, read James chapter 1, the first four verses. He tells us very clearly there, as the result of the tribulations that we go through that God actually produces treasure in our life because he produces those graces that make up the Christian virtues that make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd never ever become what we ought to be without afflictions in our life. And thank God through it all that he keeps us from, from destruction. He keeps us from some things. He brings other things to us. But he always helps us through those things. The third thing I notice whenever we read this these text verses is that we can be sure of God's glory. In light of everything I've said, I want you to notice three things about being sure of God's glory here notice that the experiences they went through are, were advantageous and it was to their advantage it was for their own good in, in other words whenever things seem to be all against you remember God is for you and that's what they discovered also their endurance was assured they didn't feel like they could go through it but God assured them that they could Whenever you're facing those impossible situations, you need to remember that the same God that brought them through is with you. And we need to cling to His promises, as the old song says, hold to God's unchanging hand. You know, the book of Isaiah is so amazing. I think in some ways it is definitely the most amazing Book of all of the Old Testament, just its very makeup, 66 chapters, right? The first half is what, 39. The second half is what, 27. It's a Bible in miniature. If you've ever doubted that the Bible is really a book that God wrote, you need to study the book of Isaiah. It's not just fascinating in that God put it together that way. It's not just fascinating in that what God did in those first 39 verses. But it's absolutely mind-boggling what God did In those last twenty-seven chapters, Isaiah prophesied things that happened after he died. He listen. He even named names before the person was born. Go over there and you read about Cyrus. Wait a minute. Remember when the children of Israel? He had warned them. The ten northern. Tribes had gone into captivity in 722 as a result of their rebellion. The other two tribes had maintained some integrity and God allowed them to hang around. But they were warned that they were going to end up the same way, that they were going to be taken captive by the Babylonians. Sure enough, it happened in 586. But wait a minute. How did Isaiah know that? He, he's gone before that even happened. He was a prophet. He was foretelling And he even said Cyrus. That just happened to be the king that delivered Israel from their Babylonian captivity. How amazing is that? I mean, if that's not assurance of God being the author of this book, I don't know how much more assurance that you would need. And and I bring all of that up not to go down a rabbit track and get you off target, but to remind you that in every generation, God has a message for each and every one of us. And He has it all planned out I even read a sitting there in my recliner this morning and was reading some verses from Isaiah and, and it's hard to tell, it's hard to tell where I was reading in the Bible. I read about the circle of the earth. Oh, wait a minute, that sounds like Job. Get over in chapter fifty-two and chapter fifty-three, and I know it's talking about Jesus. I even read the same phrase in new heaven and new earth. Now I'm thinking, wow, I'm over in the book of Revelation now. You see, all, all of what the Bible tells us in some way or another is reduced now to this golden nugget of truth called the book of Isaiah. We have it right there in our lap for us to see. And the point is, regardless of how bad it seems now, it's all going to turn out exactly like it should be. All that was ruined in the fall of Adam is going to be restored in the second Adam, which is Christ. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And all of that stuff, all of the pain, all of the suffering and the sorrow, all of the things you went through will be no more But not just that, it's not just the absence of those things that's going to be glorious. It's the fact that then you'll begin to understand how God used those bad things for some good to turn this upside down world right side up. That's why we preachers often say your last day on earth will be the best day of your life. It really will. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Oh, we think of heaven as some far away place up there beyond the Milky Way. And that's the way we usually think of it, right? Truth of it is, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But the same Bible says... I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I am with thee. Heaven might not be as far away as you think it is. Oh, we try to figure it all out, don't we? Believe me, I've tried. I, oh, I've sat there and I thought, oh, I wish I could figure this out. How's it? How's it going to be in new heaven and a new earth? We we can't even begin to comprehend the glory of what awaits every child of God. We're going to go from all of this grief in the world to glory, from all of our heartaches to happiness, and our burdens to blessings. Our, Our tears will literally become treasures because God's putting them in a bottle. Those tears you cry, God says, I'm saving all of those up. I've got them in a bottle. And in the day when he said what? I'll make up my jewels. He's talking about his people. And we'll be removed from all of our problems to a state of perfection. All of our insecurities will go away. And we'll receive our inheritance from the Lord. Oh, listen, when you leave here today and you face those difficulties in your life. Do so, remembering what God has said—the promises that that He's given. I want to close by reading something. There's a fellow that uh, maybe my, in some ways, my favorite writer, George Matheson. He's a preacher. He was a poet. You know, he had great things planned for his life. And suddenly it was discovered that he was going blind. Imagine that. You're going to be a preacher. You are a preacher, but you're going blind. You can't read. So happened that uh, he was engaged. And he told his fiance that he was losing his sight. Quote, this is what she said to that godly man. Why, George, I couldn't be tied to a blind man for the rest of my life. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how that must have broke his heart? The one that you you love, you want to share your life with. Oh, George, I can't be tied to a blind man for the rest of my life. And there in his deep sorrow, the suffering that he was going through, he wrote these words, and in every Bible I've used over the years, I've always copied this short little poem down in every Bible. O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow May richer, fuller be. Then he made a statement some other time in his ministry. He said, My God, I've never thanked Thee for my thorns. He said, I've thanked Thee a thousand times for my roses, but not once for my thorns. I've been looking forward to a world that I shall get compensation for my cross." But I never thought about my cross as itself teach me the value of my thorn. Show me that I have climbed to thee by the path of pain. Show me that my tears have made my rainbow. Thou wouldest not Have me accept thy will, because I must, but because I may. Thou wouldest have me to take it, not with resignation, but with joy, and not with the absence of a murmur, but with a song of praise. Sounds like he must have felt like Paul. Paul didn't say, well, I'm just... I didn't want this to happen to me. I don't like it. This thorn is hurting me, but I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to bear it for Jesus' sake. No, Paul went way beyond that. I take pleasure in mine infirmities. Take pleasure in mine infirmities. I think that's what George Matheson was saying, exactly the same thing. It's not enough just to tolerate what we're going through. He said that there, it, it ought to be, be praised. Someone said, I think that I prayed a thousand times for God to heal me. And then he said, and finally God did. He healed me of the need to be healed. I I wonder if we had that, would it be all right with you if if God said, uh, I'm not going to heal you? Would God be making a mistake? Would that be an injustice in some way? We can all think of something we'd like to be different in our life. I don't like wearing these glasses one pair to see you, one pair to see the Bible. and Some of you, yesterday, somebody was talking about their hearing aid. Wasn't it Brother Nolan? we got, we got people going through severe pain and suffering and sorrow. And I just want every one of us to leave here. I, I don't like it that my wife has to suffer like her. I don't like it that the news I got about Peggy and what Brother John's going through. And I, I can go on what this man right down here has gone through and what he's still going through. I, I, you know, in my flesh, I, I don't like it. I, I, I wish it was different than that. But I'm glad that the God who wrote this Bible has given us blessed assurance that His grace is going to get us all through whatever it is. And in the end, we look back on it and say, thank you, Lord. I never dreamed. I never dreamed that's what you were going to do with this. And it'll all be good. It'll all be good. The God of grace. Let's all stand together. I don't know the message this morning might not have anything to do with what you consider your personal need in life. Maybe you're unsaved. Maybe it is you're looking for a church home. I don't have any idea. This still be a good time for you to respond to God's will for your life instead of ignoring it. Because believe me, ignoring God's will never makes things better. It never does. And it might be that you you, you you, just want to maybe get on your knees and pray for some loved one that's going through difficulties. You don't feel like walking down the aisle just right there where you are. Sit down if you don't feel like standing up. But just take this time to pray. I was thinking yesterday during the ordination, I got home. Bev and Lisa was talking about the impression that it made with them the whole service itself. And I mentioned the fact that the most impressive part to me, and I don't know of anyone else, I sat there having prayed. During that prayer, as each one prayed quietly with the candidate, that silence shouted so loud to me the solemn occasion let me tell you God doesn't have to send a thunder or a bolt of lightning to speak to us sometimes it's that soft, small still voice you might be struggling with something right now and you thinking to yourself I don't think I can get through this I don't think I can take another step I don't think I can go another day You can't, but God can. Father, use your word. Remind us of your promises. Lord, I'm so glad that I can sit here today and say of a certainty that I didn't make any of this up. It's not just wishful thinking. It's not something that I've read that someone else conjured up in their mind. Lord, that the promises that we've read, the assurance that we've received comes from you, the one that cannot lie, the one that never fails. And dear Lord, as much as I've wanted to speak about our relationships with one another, maybe in all of this, it'll make us more aware of how desperately others need our prayers. Help us, Lord, to pray for one another. Have your will in whatever happens in these next few moments. And even as we leave, in Jesus' name, while we sing together,